Hello and welcome to Everyday People, Everyday Minds. I'm your host, Josh Woods. Just a warning, today's story is definitely a sensitive subject as we dive into the struggle of a 14-month-old with viral, with viral encephalitis. There may be some emotional triggers as we talk about the life journey of one incredible young lady. Joining us today is someone I met four years ago shortly after I moved to northern Colorado. Full disclosure here, my guest is mother to our wonderful daughter, Astra, who has quite the story of triumph against incredible odds. Back in the early 2000s, here in Colorado and across the country, everyone's attention was divided between West Nile virus and viral encephalitis, which had not really spent any time center stage as a major public concern. The most, <clears throat> the most vulnerable were the elderly and the youngest among us whose immune systems weren't strong enough to stave off the severe infection. Not all who were infected with West Nile contracted viral encephalitis, and not all cases of viral encephalitis have positive link to West Nile, as there is a limited gestation window to detect West Nile. With that said, I would like to bring on my very first guest to the show, Jen, would you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jen. I live in Greeley, Colorado, and I am mom to the greatest teenager ever, um, Astra. She's 15. Wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on the show today to share Astra's story. I know it's been quite the journey with her recovery, and half the battle really hasn't been with her, but rather having to advocate for her every step of the way. Um, would you take us back to when this all began? Uh, how did uh, how did this story start for Astra? Uh, we were living in a suburb of Minneapolis, um, her dad and I and Astra. Um, we came out to visit Greeley, Colorado. His uh, family's from here, and this is where he grew up, so... Uh, we drove 16 hours, uh, loaded up the dog and everything, and came down for a visit. So that's what brought us here to Colorado. So obviously not the... Uh, this didn't wind up being the family vacation that you were really expecting it to be. Well, I guess to say the least. Um, my uh, Astra's dad's mom was renting some property... Um, and she had a couple horses, so uh, of course we we had to go look at the horses because um, that's super fun. Um, Astra was 14 months old, so she had just started uh, basically walking. She was at like 13 months, so she was basically running at 14 months. Um, I still remember the day we went to visit the horses. We walked over to where they were, um, and I remember... The bite was on her temple, um, and it got really big. And I do remember um, telling her dad that if it got any bigger than that, we might want to bring her to the hospital because it was rather large. And it was on her temple, I believe, on her left, but I'm not 100%. So. And just to clarify, when you say bite, you mean mosquito, a mosquito bite, correct? Correct, yeah. She was bit by a mosquito. Thank you for the clarification. Um, which I call a dirty mosquito, uh, bit her, yes, and gave her, um, uh, which ended up being encephalitis, uh, from 
that mosquito bite uh, going to visit the horses. And it's a, about a 14-day onset, 11 to 14-day um, onset before you even get any like symptoms usually. So how, how soon after the bite would you say that uh, you noticed, uh, started noticing that something was, something was wrong? Um, there is a lot that I don't remember from the time, but I can tell you the things that I vividly remember. Um, it was, we were packing up the car to, uh, head back to Minnesota. Um, and it was probably maybe seven days, maybe five to seven days, um, had passed. Um, and I remember Astra was always, always, uh, independent, uh, from the moment she was born, uh, slept through the night really early, uh, did her own thing. Uh, so when she was very clingy um, and crying a lot, I knew something was up. Uh, didn't know what, uh, but I do remember uh, her clinging to my my pant leg um, and crying. And I remember asking, who are you? Because she definitely was not herself at that point. Wow, that's... It's going to be absolutely scary, especially as a first-time parent. Yeah, and it didn't really get near as scary until uh, later, but uh, you know, really scary till later. Um, just the unknown was kind of um, was the hard part. You know. So were you back in Minnesota when uh, Astra started showing her symptoms, or were um, you yeah. still on vacation? No, besides the um, just personality changes and um, her kind of clinginess and her crying a lot. Um, she did sleep, I remember, a lot on the way home in the car. Uh, it was a 16-hour drive. Um, but it wasn't until we got home and now was back to work maybe a week later that... Uh, was the night that she had the full-blown um, seizure and onset and all that. And how long was her seizure? Um, when I found her um, unresponsive in her crib, um, we went by ambulance to the local hospital. Um, they actually couldn't get her seizures to stop, so that's when they uh, sent us by very fast ambulance uh, to Children's in Minneapolis to get her seizure to stop. Um, it, you know, it was a long time. She had a seizure for quite a while, and then when they did get it to stop, um, and then she was in a coma for 24 hours. So. Now, now you said that your memory is a blur uh, through this period, but do you recall just how you felt and what you were thinking? Um, just a lot of panic, uh, not really knowing what was going on. I do remember talking to the doctors at the first hospital, and they actually were panicked um, because they could not, um, they couldn't get the seizures to stop. So, um, just uh, trying to keep my cool as best as I could, but uh, really confused and uh, not knowing what was going on. So just kind of went with the flow and got. Uh, carted around here to there and people told me that where she needed to go would be the best place for her so I just uh, you know we did uh, what they recommended so she was down at Children's uh, she was in the NICU for a few days um, and then we were placed in a room um, it wasn't until at Children's that we actually got the diagnosis 
um, of viral encephalitis. Uh, they couldn't narrow it down to uh, eastern, western equine, whatever the West Nile, whatever the uh, factor was, they couldn't really single that out at that time. But it wasn't until the uh, spinal tap, the lumbar puncture, that they were able to find something. So. Wow, doing a lumbar puncture on a 14-month-old, that's got to be just a hellacious thing to have to sit there and watch. She actually had three while we were there. Um, it is very, very hard to watch. Uh, thankfully, she was uh, sedated because it's hard to get any 14-month-old to sit still, So, uh, especially when you're in pain and... Uh, so, uh, yeah, watched uh, three of those while she was there, and uh, they're they're pretty hard to watch. They're hard enough to do herself, let alone watch a teeny uh, bean. She was just so small. Now, is Astra uh, vocal at this point? Was she speaking? Um, Astra was a typical uh, developing kid until uh, until she got the encephalitis and the subsequent brain injury. Um, she was uh, walking, she was talking a little bit beyond her age where she was combining two, three words, not very often, but um, she was seemed to be a little, you know, advanced or, you know, was doing a lot of talking for her age, but, you know, first-time parent. <laughs> now, uh, when, when you were there at Children's in Minneapolis and the doctors finally came to you and said hey, this is viral encephalitis. How much did you know at that time about uh, viral encephalitis? Uh, absolutely nothing. I had no idea what that even was. Um, I had taken a, you know, I had taken a medical terminology class, but I couldn't even figure out what that even meant. Um, and at that time, you know, the things they could tell us was she had a double ear infection, uh, she had a very high temperature. They did get the seizures to stop, and that's when they were trying to figure out, you know, meningitis came to mind. Um, there was a couple different things. Um, and when they brought us the diagnosis, um, we just thought that she would get better and uh, that she would we'd just go on from there. We didn't realize that uh, 14 years later, uh, we're still dealing with a lot of the brain injury itself. So, And for our listeners, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about what viral encephalitis uh, is and entails? Um, it's basically inflammation of the brain. Uh, it can come from different sources, whether viral or, you know, different, different ways. Um, it causes, you know, most commonly... Uh, short-term memory loss, um, seizures. Um, it's it's a little hard to detect, and of course, it's not very common. Uh, trouble speaking, problems hearing. Um, like Astra was, uh, she had the mood and personality changes where she just wasn't herself, and then combined with um, everything that happened after. Um, so it's, it's definitely, there's, you know, stick ne stiff neck, vomiting, uh, fever. Obviously, she had like 105. Um, so 
it's just there's all kinds of different things, which it can also be other things. So it's hard to nail down. I think the statistics are uh, one in 200,000 people get this. So it's very rare. So when we learned about it, we had no clue it even existed. <laughs> now, in, uh, in reference to Astra's case, uh, what, what was the outcome? Uh, what wound up being uh, the impact of... Uh, the viral encephalitis on her. How did she uh, fare through that uh, period, and what was the uh, lasting uh, imprint? Um, they told us that she would. They told us that her brain damage was quite extensive. Um, that it was mostly, or a lot of it, was in the frontal lobe, but that it was all over. Um, and they did tell us that she most likely would never walk and never talk again, and she would uh, most definitely never be the same kid she was. Wow. So, um... That's, that's got to be just a nightmare to hear. Yeah, it was... To be told that your kid's not going to walk or talk again. Yeah, and it's kind of mean. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, that, that's definitely... Kind of a few moment to yeah. the doctor there, but do you do you feel that that was the doctor and the medical uh, medical team's actual impression, or do you think that they may have been trying to use that to kind of motivate you to try to prove them wrong? No, I think that um, not fully knowing. I mean, we had a neurologist there, but even the statistics of the rarity of it. I think they're kind of just taking a stab at it, not to discredit anybody, but um, probably based on what they knew about brain injury and based on, you know, all that, they, you know, they could have probably said it different and they probably maybe don't say that these days, but um, yeah, they definitely, uh, each case is different. Um, they, I remember one time, one of the doctors telling us that, you know, we really can't tell you. We asked, is she ever going to talk again? And, you know, they really couldn't answer that. And, and I, I get that now. Um, who is to say? They don't know her. Uh, she's each kid is different. Each person's different, and they didn't know Astra. So. Now you said uh, she had lost the ability to uh, walk and talk for a while. There, correct? Uh, yeah. So basically, she was like a newborn again. Um, at fourteen months, um, they said, you know, she had to relearn everything. She uh, ate baby food. Uh, she went back to a bottle because um, everything was affected. Um, her, uh, the way her hands moved, she had exotropia in one eye. Her whole right side was uh, like a stroke, kind of. Would you just real quick explain exotropia? Oh, yeah, exotropia is basically a lazy eye. So one, uh, one eye go the one direction, um, and the other one stays straight forward. So... Uh, Lots of different, um, it affected basically everything. Uh, she was in a diaper again. Well, she was in a diaper, but um, she couldn't hold her bowels anymore. You know, any of that stuff. All that stuff was all, any training we had done for potty training was gone. Um, and she wasn't talking. She couldn't sit up. Um, all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was everything. Um, and OT, PT, and speech started right away in the hospital before we even left. Um, and so there's three specialists coming in, and in addition to the neurologist and the MD and the nurse and all those 
the social worker, um, all those people. You've also got, you know, a bunch of people, other people coming in too. So uh, everything started right away, and then we just got sent home on seizure meds, and basically we just weren't given much instruction on, um, you know, how to help her, you know, because I remember in the hospital, um, which I know now is the headaches she was having. Headaches are a big one. Um, she would just lay in her crib and scream, um, and and I would try to console her and comfort her and try to pick her up out of the crib, and it would just make her scream more. So um, a lot of the times I just, you know, it had to run its course, I guess you could say, um, and just had to watch, which was horrible. So... That's, again, that's got to be absolutely just astonishingly hard on not just your uh, your physical demands of having to take on uh, so much in this moment, but as well as uh, the having the psychological strain, and I imagine quite a bit of uh, sleepless nights uh, spent in worry. Oh, yeah, and then there's the times when, you know, she got an ear infection, and she got an ear infection so bad that she couldn't hold her head up again, and it freaked us out. Um, And so, yeah, you definitely look at things differently, um, and you don't want to take those chances um, because, you know, the night that she was in her crib and I found her um, unresponsive, there was just that one moment that I could have, you know, things could have been different. So uh, you definitely are very more aware of your surroundings and what's going on and um, just kind of overwhelmed with, you know, we were going to therapy three times a week. Uh, We had a social worker coming to the house. Um, She started, you know, all this stuff that was totally new to us. So I would go to the neurologist every three months and get her head measured and just all these little things while trying to, you know, keep her uh, learning to walk and learning to talk and uh, uh, different, you know, sign language, different things, trying all kinds of different things. Um, wow, yeah, it's hard to keep it all straight. I also worked full time. I don't, I uh, couldn't tell you uh, right now how I did it, but I did. <laughs> I think it's one of those uh, things that uh, as being a parent, you know, we find that ability to muster up this energy and strength from seemingly nowhere. That we didn't even know we had. Exactly. (laughs) And especially in moments where you wind up switching over to autopilot and you were just purely going through actions and routines all day long, I imagine there's a high degree of disconnect with thinking and wanting to immerse uh, into deeper thinking. Oh, for sure. Now, uh, as as Astra started to go through all of her uh, PT and OT uh, and all of her other therapies, when did you start to see some of the recovery start to happen? When did she start to regain some of what she had lost? Um, as far as physically, she was very quick to recover. Um, she relearned to walk within the first year. Um, special equipment, uh, OT once, OTPT, you know, once or twice a week, depending on 
the week. Um, so her walking was pretty quick coming back. Um, her speech, uh, her OT was, you know, the fine motor stuff to, you know, help with her, uh, the way she held her bottle or things like that, the grip, and because her whole right side didn't work uh, very well. So, um, now she started to walk again. Did she start to kind of return to some, uh, to a more, rec- excuse me, a more recognizable uh, identity? Or was she kind of rediscovering her body and how it worked? Um, it's one of those things where the doctor said that she'd never be the same kid again. Um, I'm sure there's things being as young as she was that she doesn't remember. Um, but it was within the first, after we got out of the hospital, we were in the hospital for about 12 days, almost two weeks. Um, so about that third week, maybe third and a half week, uh, I could see her little personality coming through, um, just in her smile and her giggle, um, so, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't give up hope that she was, you know, I just thought she was going to get better. Um, and I just didn't realize it was going to be as long of a road as it was. Absolutely. So, so you mentioned, uh, with the speech, uh, how long was, uh, how, how long were you unable to hear her uh, speak to you in, in words? Uh, that was definitely the um, hardest battle uh, for Astra. Um, I remember her last word um, at Children's um, when we were walking around the floor. Um, she was riding on uh, Grandma Sharon's scooter and went past a fish tank, and she said, Fishies. Um, and that was the last word I heard her say. So, and it was. Uh, eight, eight years old, maybe seven. She started blending words. Um, but that's one of those things that I never gave up hope. She, um, she couldn't express herself. She was nonverbal for a long time. So during that period of being nonverbal, how did you communicate? Um, just kind of knowing your kid is one of them. Uh, looking for those nonverbal cues that you know usually what it means. Um, and just, you know, we were relearning together. So, um, we started sign language. Um, we took, we did a, what is now called like a PEC system. We did a look, took pictures of things and put them on a board and she could, you know, bring it over and tell me that way what she wanted. Uh, sign language, um, there were times that um, we couldn't communicate, um, and Astra would try to sign something to me, and I didn't know what she was saying, and I would you know, say, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're saying, and then she would cry, and then I would just cry, and uh, that's when I knew it was time to take a sign language class. So um, signing time was a savior for us. Um, she, I'm sorry, what's uh, signing time? Uh, signing time is a, a signing series of videos for kids, geared toward kids. Um, and it's it's got, you know, music, and it's got kids like them, and it's got kids of all different abilities and, um, you know, singing and all kinds of stuff to keep their attention. And you learn different, uh, like one is, you know, your colors, and one is cleaning the house. 
Uh, so it was very geared toward uh, everyday things you would need, which was very helpful, uh, like cookie and cracker. <laughs> well, it's new that there's a program out there that's teaching uh, not just inclusivity, but as well as teaching uh, sign language. It really is. Um, over the years, I've advocated for uh, sign language is another language that we it's we just don't recognize it as much, and there are a lot of people using it, and we are teaching our kids, um, you know, that are in the preschool system that are getting uh, specialized help. We're teaching, though, a lot of the speech people are teaching our kids sign language. So um, I think it's really important that, you know, even the basics, people learn the basics, like help and bathroom. <laughs> now, um with the impact on Astra's motor controls, was signing uh, easy for her? Did she struggle with it? Uh, it it took a long time for it to actually, uh, because of the brain injury, I'm assuming, and because of the short-term memory, um, it was just to keep plugging that sign for a long time. Um, and she eventually picked up on it. And I lost your question. What was your question? <laughs> Well, I was asking, uh, uh, what was there a degree of uh, difficulty yes. for her? Did was like did uh, certain things have to be adapted for her because uh, she couldn't move her hand or a certain way or hold her fingers in a certain position? Yeah, thank you. That is a good question. Um, yeah, because of her fine motor skills and the impact that the injury had on. You know, even the way she moved her fingers, uh, held a pencil, um, it was definitely augmented, and it was it was kind of her own sign language. And definitely, if a person that was fluent in sign language tried to talk to Astra at that time, it might have been a little hard for them to. You know, they probably would have got it, but it would have taken a little while. She's um, kind of got her own dialect. For sure. On. Yeah. You know, for certain signs, her fingers wouldn't work the right way, so she'd mo- modify them to the way it worked for her. And you just kind of had to know. It's <laughs> the hard part. You had to know. Um, somebody had to at least be a translator, usually. So Right. Yeah. So as you were trying to regain ways to communicate with Astra uh, in this technological age, was there anything, uh, any sort of technology, devices, or anything that uh, have been helpful or that were available? Oh, yeah. Now, of course, you know, there's a lot more and a lot more, a lot easier things to work with. And, um, you know, there's the PEC system. We did that where we uh, started with, you know, combining the the words with the pictures. Um, I placed them throughout the house, you know, where she would, you know, be able to identify words. Um, So she had the visual with it. we did, uh, obviously we started the sign language, we started that uh, young, um, and then we did, we were approved for a communication device, and it was a Tango device, and it was probably a foot long, and probably about three to four inches high, and it was pretty heavy, it had its own little carrying case that she could wear over her, uh, you know, over her neck, um, and that, along with the sign language, along with everything, uh, the speech pathologists, the um, you know the whole group of people, everybody, it 
it was all kind of a group effort. So uh, the Tango device, and then um, now there's so much, but uh, she's pretty verbal, but you can get, you know, uh, apps and all kinds of things now that definitely help. And how did this Tango uh, device work? Does it give, like, sounds, like, word sounds? or? Yeah, so it actually would have, like, whole... It was like a mini computer, and it had, like, whole sections. Uh, you could go into it and find, like, if you were doing a lesson with the kid on, you know, American history, you could go into the little... That ta- section, and you could create a whole... It was about a foot long, and it had about 11 little tiny touch screens maybe an inch or so high and that's where you could place the pictures um, and we could uh, take pictures with it so we would we had a, a button that she would push and go into that had stuff for uh, mom's house and stuff for dad's house you know take a picture of her brother and you know she'd push on it and somebody would have recorded my brother Stephen so it was really interactive where you you know you really had to have a uh, a good teacher or somebody that you know was willing to really dive into it and they really were so um, that combined with speech and all that I think really the tango was pretty imperative in her communication awesome now so as as she's been regaining all this ability uh, has she kind of been I suppose the best way of asking it is, has she mentally aged appropriately with the developments, or is she behind in some areas? Uh, You know, she's basically uh, behind in basically all areas of life. Um, um, She's very smart, um, but because of her uh, communication problems where she's she knows a lot of information she's can't get it out so she has a problem reciting uh things she heard uh you know reading a paragraph and then being able to tell you what was in you know what she read um and this all stems from the brain injury itself correct yeah Yeah. so with a uh, with her brain injury uh what else uh what else does she face on in, in her daily life with uh like what all is entailed with her brain injury? Um, I mean, she's at the... So she's... Uh, Astra's now 15, and she is operating mentally, I believe, on the level of an 8-year-old, 7- to 8-year-old. Um, and the brain injury has encompassed a lot of different areas. Um, she's got ADHD. Uh, we've got verbal apraxia, uh, learning disabilities... Um, OCD um, and other mental health, uh, fine motor uh, skills, uh, coordination issues, uh, motor planning issues, sensory issues, uh, self-care, struggles with that, uh, personal safety uh, limitations and lack of boundaries um, and micro seizures. And there's just a whole list of, you know, things you think of the brain and it affects basically everything in your body right um even uh there was a time where she had problems with uh, uh not her um she had to wear a diaper again for a long time she had a hard time feeling you know sensing when she had to go to the bathroom so now uh, you mentioned apraxia uh, would you mind explaining what that is 
Sure, so apraxia, and there's different forms, but what Astra has is uh, mild to moderate verbal apraxia. So it's basically, um, the easiest way I describe it is the disconnect from the brain to the tongue and palate and mouth, the jaw, that whole area. So your brain knows what to say, um, but getting that message to you know the tongue and your mouth and everything that has to create those sounds, that's where that struggle comes in. Um, so Astra did sign language for a long time, uh, combined with she would uh, she was able to sound out letters. So it would be uh, she'd do the sign for cat, and then she would make the sounds you know k a t. And she, then she slowly just blended it to cat and just went from there between uh, speech therapy, communication device, sign language, um, persistence, and uh, uh, her drive. A lot of it, uh, a lot of it has come back. So Awesome. So overall, where, uh, how is she these days? Astra is amazing. Uh, she's 15. She's a sophomore in high school. Um, she is very involved in Special Olympics, uh, unified sports. Um, she is very social. Um, Astra these days um, is you know not on any medication. We kind of let her uh, be who she is within limitations. Obviously, a lot of redirecting her, a lot of repeating things that we need to remind her to do. Um, so it's just a lot of patience um, and, and time with her. Um, you know, the doctor says that we can't do stimulants because of the brain injury, so we have actually tried um, some natural stuff in the past, and we've most recently tried uh, CBD oil, which seems to be uh, doing really well for her as far as, you know, kind of slowing her brain down and letting, giving her her chance to think. So Awesome. And that, that definitely helps, uh, especially with earlier mentioned that her brain is just moving faster than she can really process, oh, yeah. uh, especially with the uh, vocabulary. So has her vocabulary also kind of slowed down to kind of match uh, the level of her thinking? Like, is she now able to better articulate those thoughts and go into uh, more uh, executive planning? Oh, yeah. I mean, just the other day, she was coming through the kitchen. She stopped, turned around, and told me, I love your socks, and turned around and kept going. So, you know, she noticed my socks. She made a point to stop and, you know, pay me a compliment, and then went on about, you know, what she was doing. So, you know, that little interruption of thought and able to move on to the next thing is huge. Yeah, and she's so she, just been doing really well. So she's become more so uh, spatially aware. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, um, as she's becoming more and more independent, do you see her going into a very uh, a more independent situation uh, when she's an adult? Like, do you see uh, her going into independent living? Um, that's definitely our, you know, my hope for Astra, um, and lots of other people. We want her to be independent, and be able to succeed, but we also want her to be safe. So, you know, she's turning sixteen this summer. So, uh, who knows what will happen? You know, once she's twenty-one, she'll uh, be out of the school system. 
Um, and maybe she'll be, you know, there's group homes. There's uh, where she could maybe live more independent and have staff just come in and assist her with meals and that kind of stuff. And who knows, you know, but that is definitely the goal um, is to get her, you know, as independent as possible, be able to do her self-care and get do, do the things she needs to do um, to be safe and, you know, get through her day, so... Now you mentioned uh, staff. Uh, what uh, what exactly is a staff uh, do the, uh, for Astra or uh, around the house for Astra? So yeah, right now she's for about a year. She's been having uh, personal care assistants come in. Um, they're non CNA staff because she's non skilled care. Um, she's just she's very mobile. She's very active. Um, she just needs a lot of help with. Uh, reminders and uh, reminded her what she's supposed to be doing and time constraints is big Um, safety um, so somebody comes to the house and what a typical 15 year old would get ready for dinner uh, they help her with uh, she can wash her hands but she might need a little uh, reminder uh, to wash uh, both hands or to actually use soap that kind of thing to you know turn the water you know watch the hot temperature they help her in the bathroom with uh, personal care stuff um, preparing meals because she you know can't quite do that but she can really help put a really good sandwich together so <laughs> um, just working on those you know things that if a typical 15 year old would do her laundry maybe in a, in a, in a dream world but uh, some teenagers do their laundry <laughs> But uh, laundry and helping her get her, you know, ready for bed and med administration or med reminders, actually. Um, they remind me to give her her meds, that kind of stuff. So all the stuff that a typical 15-year-old would do, um, they come in and help her with that, which in turn gives me um, a break to, you know, maybe go get dressed an hour earlier than I typically would or, you know, take a shower if I wanted, that kind of stuff, so... And how long have you uh, had staff uh, helping Astra out? Uh, for about a year and a half, I'd say. Mm. How has she been responding to that? She absolutely loves it. Uh, she looks forward to it. It's definitely part of her routine, and that's big. Uh, changing routine is hard. So um, she uh, she loves her staff. She does pretty well. Um, definitely need a a good staff person that can kind of keep up with her and have the patience as well. Um, but she definitely looks forward to them and definitely uh, typical 15-year-old stuff doesn't really want my help anymore. So, <laughs> as, as this uh, staffing situation tip, uh, overall been successful or have there been some challenges along the way? Uh, it's definitely been a challenge all along the way. <laughs> um working with uh, different local uh, agencies to try to get it set up. Um, as far as I know, Astra is one of the only kids using this pediatric care uh, through the state of Colorado. So um, getting that set up with finding an agency and then getting it set up, you know, the, the billing process is different and they got to find different staff and that kind of stuff. So that was a struggle, and then um, northern Colorado and maybe everywhere, um, the, it's just hard to find good quality staff because, uh, you know, not everybody's going to mesh well with everybody, you know, all the personalities. So um, 
a one staff person could be really great for Astra and the next one could, you know, be a little more lax and kind of let her slip back to, you know, letting other people do things for her that she can do type thing, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, now, when I first met you about four years ago, uh, I recall you were struggling to even find services. It pretty much seemed like it was a non-existent thing. Uh, she's, I don't know if it was just a lack of infrastructure from the state or if Astra winds up somewhere in between uh, services. Like she's maybe too functional for one, but not functional enough for the other. Yeah, and there's lots, I mean, there's different avenues you can go, but basically it comes down to uh, state services through, you know, her Medicaid Um uh, you know, it's it, OT, PT, speech has always been a struggle. We've been here be 14 years this year, um, or 13 or 12. I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always been a struggle in our town uh, to find um, pediatric OT or speech services, um, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, yeah, Astra is kind of on that border where she's really smart um and so she just needs assistance with a lot of things versus um, there are a lot of kids that are a lot more severe that need more uh, hands-on and you know they're really medically involved and that's where uh, brain injury and other disabilities kind of can put them on that border yeah where I don't know what her services are going to look like when she's 18 to 21 because I you know it might change by then so and the states definitely um, Astra's in the in-between age where there really isn't much for her right now she's just kind of on a went on a wait list for adult services when she turns 18 and you know we do get a little respite money from our local CCB which really helps um, but that's pretty much it besides what we get from the school district so what are some of your ongoing concerns that you have, both for Astra and uh, just her immediate world? Um, I mean, I think it really depends on where you live, um, unfortunately, um, state or county um, or city even, depends on uh, what services are going to be available um so you know getting legislatures and legislators and people that can you know help and you know parents that can make some noise and kind of help things along the way um there's definitely a lack of um uh you know quality care um you know agencies that you know there's I think there's issues in the accountability as far as um, agencies go and, you know, the care that some of our adults, you know, get. Um, and there's just, there's so many pieces to the puzzle um, to, you know, even for one kid in Astra's type of situation, whether it's Down syndrome or autism or um, just mental illness, there's, you know struggles I think in any of those 
so as a parent that's uh, been a spectator to those str- uh, struggles and having had your own struggles, what are the things, uh, what, what is it that's important to you that uh, other parents and other patients uh, and just everyone in general know? Um, I think there's going to be, I mean, we were overwhelmed. We were d- given lots of information. Um, how much of it stuck, who knows? Um, but it's, it's a lot in the beginning, and I think it just takes a while. You're going to be involved in uh, things like IEPs and advocacy agencies and CCBs and school districts and all these different uh, things, and you got to try to keep them all straight. And so it's, I think, uh, support from anybody, you know, that you can find and you know especially involving advocacy agencies because you are the number one advocate um you are going to have to fight um we have to had to fight for a lot of things so just being aware of what is acceptable and what's not acceptable and just being aware of what's going on um um, disabilities a lot of disabilities are invisible so um if you come across astra in the community Um, she's going to probably come up to you and introduce herself. So uh, just be aware that there's people in our community that look like you and me that function on a totally different level and are just as great people and need to be involved, you know, included in everything. Um, And then I just would would close out with uh, things that I think are imperative to this uh, specifically. Community support is important. Just in, you know, inclusion is important. Um, being aware of you know people in your community, um, speech and OT and PT and behavioral therapy and all that stuff is important. Uh, school support and willing teachers that are gonna you know have the patience and the to the drive to work with your kid and maybe go the extra mile and find out more information. Uh, support groups are important um, uh, awareness just basic awareness um, acceptance and number one I believe is parent involvement so those are all I think very imperative to um, kids like Astra and adults like Astra and yeah. just one last question that I have for you what has been one of the <clears throat> Excuse me. What's been one of the more constructive uh, things that's helped you through the last fifteen years? Um, just um, what has gotten me through is her, um, her drive, her uh, happiness, um, all that stuff. She's just a very happy kid. Um, and, you know, just having people that will listen, um, if, you know, if anybody was willing to help you out, obviously be careful with that. But I just try my best to, you know, stay calm and do what I need to do to make sure that she has uh, everything that she needs. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for coming on uh, to the show and telling us about Astra. Greatly appreciate it. And it'll be fun and exciting to see uh, where she heads in the future. And we'll definitely have to touch back, uh, touch base, and get some updates.
Oh, for sure. She's definitely going to be um, out there helping somebody somewhere. So she's a great kid. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. Thank you. That was Jan Rummers. To help get our show started, we are giving away a variety pack of high-quality vinyl stickers, guaranteed to last outdoors for at least seven years. The winner will be chosen at random, so be sure to like us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Everyday People, Everyday Minds, or on Twitter at Minds underscore People. You can also email us at EverydayPeople, EverydayMinds at gmail.com. If you have any questions, topics, or feedback that you would like to share, feel free to constructively comment or message us. And as always, thanks. Thanks.